everyone. Welcome to a gold medal silver medal, bronze medal edition of ARG Presents. I'm your good friend, Amigo Aaron, joined by a man who just hammered through his pop directly onto his desk. I give you Olympic Brent. Let me tell you something, Aaron. We we are DNF. We did not finish the Olympics. That's true. <laughs> yeah, that was rough. No country would let us represent them either. And you don't want to hear the anthem, that's for sure. So, in case you uh, live under a rock, you didn't see what we spun last week. We spun the wheel. We made the deal. And this week, the Brent will be playing. Bam! I give them the Olympic Games. This week, we're giving them the Olympic Games just in time for the Olympics to have just ended. <laughs> the, wheel, the wheel is spoken. And we have the Olympic Games. Well, see, we're uh, a retro show, so we couldn't have done it while it was on. That's true. Good point. Good point. So when you think, Brent, I ask you this question. When you think uh, Olympic Games, video games, what's the first video game that pops into your head, my friend? Track and field. Track Arcade. And, uh, track and field. Excellent. Now, while not an officially licensed Olympic game, uh, it does have some of the... Uh, uh, trademarks that the these sorts of games follow Correct. split into events and uh of course all of them track and field now i uh when i think olympic games the first thing i think of is the old summer games that i used to play i believe the first place i ever played summer games was on the old c64 back in the day oh yes so i think hose had it and i was like man what is this where did this come from uh, there have been a million games like that uh, and the, uh, traditionally these Olympic-style games are mini-games that are split. You know, they usually have, uh, I don't know, seven, eight games minimum that you can play. And they range from games like sprinting and throwing stuff and jumping to more elaborate uh, offerings like gymnastics or diving. Uh, archery. Archery, of course. shooting. Yeah. And, then, of course, you've also got your, your winter-style games. Uh, of course, when I think of winter style games, I think of winter games, no, yep. <laughs> including uh, with the ever popular ski jump, uh, the downhill, and the ice, uh, the ice skating, that sort of thing. Uh, did you have a personal favorite uh, from these sorts of games back when uh, in the day, or even now? Yeah, uh, Hyper Olympics. And why is why do you like that one the most? It was the it was an, a a greatly improved track and field, and I love track and field in the arcade. Yeah. Good old button masher. Just go in there, go to town, absolutely destroy some micro switches. I loved it. I'm you know, gonna, let's just end the show and go play some right now. Oh, there you go. Well, I like her. That's a good choice. I'm going to say that I was a fan. It's, I, I distinctly remember back when I was a little kid, and this one, I would have been probably back in the 1900s. No, it probably would have been about 12, actually. Uh, walking through a Lowe's, which Lowe's is a at the time was sort of trying to be a department store, but now mostly sell stuff like hardware and lumber. Yeah, it's a hardware but, store. But uh, they were selling video games back at the time, and I remember walking through there, and they had an Atari Twenty Six Hundred set up, and there was David Crane's Decathlon, and this game was a a, a very early trailblazer of a game. Uh, and that had a ton of events. I mean, this. I mean, for a Atari Twenty Six Hundred game, the amount of content you got on this cartridge was off the charts. Uh, David Crane had put in all kinds of crazy stuff. Uh, however, the game had one failing, which was it would brutally murder all Atari joysticks. Oh yes, after a few rounds of play, this was the original Waggler. In fact, I, I would say that the David Crane's Decathlon sort of set the tone 
for every game that came after it in the same genre. I mean, it had all the staples that you would expect these days. It had the multiple events. It had the button, button smash, the joystick waggling. It even had uh, the sort of what became the traditional control methods for these sports, like the uh, javelin and, and triple jump and stuff like that. What did you think of the old uh, decathlon back in the day? I know you've played that one. Well, did that come out before track and field? It, like in the arcade? I don't know if it came out before. That's a good question. But, I mean, it, it was far more expansive than track and field was. It had a lot of other stuff in it. But and Plus, you were waggling and not button smashing. Well, that that's, a, that's the thing about track and field. Track and field came in three flavors. You could get the button smashers. The, that, that's the, the traditional <clears throat> two run buttons and a jump button or an action button. Or you could find it with joysticks where you waggled to run and then you had a button for your action button. Or you could find the trackball variant, the incredibly rare trackball variant, where you spun the trackball for your running. And let me tell you something, that was an absolute beast. You could do some amazing crap on that game. Uh, and then you had an action button. So uh, for me, that's that's the... The one to talk about if you're going to talk about a game. However, well, I, I do yeah. remember the Atari one. Uh, and while I, I don't... Do, we never had relatives that owned that, did we? Yeah, we did We we did have relatives that owned it uh, late in the game. By the way, okay. I, did some, I did some quick on-the-fly research here, Brent. All right. Uh, track and Field uh, from uh, Konami came out in 1983, and David Crane's Decathlon came out in 1984. So Track and Field did have the ah, one-year right, edge. But I guess what I mean by this is Decathlon, like, expanded on a lot of what uh, Track and Field did. It had a lot oh, more Oh, sure, events. it had more events and stuff. And do yeah. you, we actually, they made Track and Field for the Atari uh, 2600, and we actually had the Track and Field controller, if you'll recall, which was a little blue <laughs> box. Yeah. It had, it had two buttons on it. Or it had three. I, had, I can't remember. I think it had three. It and, did. Uh, it had two. two no, no, it had two down. because if, if you think about it, did it have a? Did it have a? It must have one for up. Whatever it had, you could play track and field with it, and it was a leagues and leagues above playing it with the joystick. It was a lot oh, better. Yes. Uh, it was a pretty good. I wish I hadn't sold that. I sold that about fifteen years ago. But yeah, it was a nice little item. Now, in terms of more modern Olympic games, have you played? Have you tried any of the newer ones that have been out recently? Uh, I, I mean, in I, the past fifteen years, <laughs> I did dabble with Mario and Sonic at the Olympics for the Wii, and yeah. you know, it, it it was good. It was fun. It took here's the here's what I my opinion. What makes a good Olympic based video game? Thing one, you have to have a lot of events. Right, and you can't just have the same controller scheme for all the events. They have to be unique. Uh, and then everything else is really secondary. Nice graphics are cool. Little tweaks and and secrets and animations always fun to find. But it all comes down to can you get a lot of events with unique controls on the system that you put it on? And the Wii uh, Mario and Sonic at the Olympic Games did okay in that regard okay uh i think like something like hypersports which is you know simplified controls but they do a lot with it sure you have a lot of uh, some samey type games uh but it, i think it does enough to distinguish game from game and give you a different feel and play 
Do you agree with that at all or no? I do. I will say I liked Mario and Sonic at the Olympics. And I think the Wii controller gives you a, a lot of clear, clever choices uh, for, that could be used in a game like that, including the ability to like simulate balance and stuff. So I thought that, I mean, listen, is it the one I'm going to pick up and play every time? No, but I thought it was clever. Plus, it's got all the Mario and Sonic guys in it, and it was officially licensed, which is kind of neat. Officially licensed means absolutely nothing to me. Well, listen, are you trying to rip off the Olympics, Brent, you jerk? Well, I mean, <laughs> I, I think the the <laughs> events of the Olympics are pretty uh, non-ownable, so... Yeah, there you go. You're, you're right there. There have been a ton of these things, and they, and they like I said, they often follow suit. But we were tasked with just picking a couple of them. Uh, and, and and I think we picked. Uh, well, I mean, I don't know what you picked, but so we're gonna we're gonna hold you off to the main to the main event. I'm gonna go ahead and, and I'll go ahead and lead lead the show this week uh, with my choice. Uh, you know, I wanted to pick one of these things I hadn't played before, if I'm honest, and something we hadn't covered for a while. And so uh, I looked around. It's funny, I almost picked one of the Wii titles, and I thought, you know, let's get something that's a little more retro on a system we haven't fooled with that much. So I ended up picking a game I've never, I had not played until this week. I ended up picking, bam, Olympic Gold. Man, you know it's good. <laughs> it's Olympic Gold. And I ended up playing the Olympic Gold for the Sega Master System. Uh, the Sega Master System, a, a fun little system. It actually sort of began my career as a as a collector of consoles, because I was I got one dirt cheap when me and the Brent were working out an arcade deal one time, and a bunch of games too. And so this was not one of them, I might add. Uh, the uh, the game here itself uh, was called again Olympic Gold, the full title Olympic Gold Barcelona '92. Right, this was yes. enough. This was there you go officially, officially yeah. licensed game. Hey, I wasn't messing around. Plus, I know how strict you can be. Although, if I know at the time when you picked yours, clearly strictness was not uh, on the bill. Uh, this it was, was published it was also uh, covered in advertisements, but I'm guessing yeah. you'll get to that. This was published uh, by U.S. Gold because it was Olympic gold, so that made sense. And developed by Tier Text Limited. Uh, this was also released on the uh, Game Gear. And the Genesis. It's funny as I looked back on this, uh, I read many reviews that that were much more favorable to the Master System version than the Genesis version, and even some that said the Master System version looked and played better than the Genesis version. So uh, interesting. Apparently, they dropped the ball on the old Genesis version. Now, this was the official game of the twenty fifth. I say XX five. What is that, Brent? That's 25. 25, yeah, 25th Olympiad. Oh, I'm guessing now, it said XXV. That's right. Usually you don't mix your, your letters and numbers, but that's I'd okay. Be, I'd be killed by the lion in that Simpsons episode. <laughs> uh, anyway, it's held in Barcelona in 92, and this this features seven different events. Uh, and uh, These are the 100-meter sprint, the hammer throw, archery, the 110-meter hurdles, pole vault, uh, springboard diving, and the 200-meter freestyle swimming. Now, uh, these games have a tradition, don't they, Brent? And the tradition is you've got to have certain things in your Olympic game to make it count. And one of the things you've got to have is you've got to have uh, the opening ceremonies complete with the lighting of the flame, the whole nine yards. I've always enjoyed that. And so and this doesn't let you down in that department. It, it starts off 
with the dive. I mean, this isn't as elaborate as, say, a Summer Games, for example, but they do come out, they do uh, light the flame, and then they do release the, the doves up in the sky. So you got that going. It's a, the, the game is colorful. They sort of adapt uh, adopted the colors of that particular games and the overall color scheme to kind of give you a flavor for what it was going to be like. They use the official, like, uh, logos from the game. They've even got sponsors that were sponsoring the game, like Coca-Cola's in there. Uh, and they so you've got actual legitimate sponsors that are that were actually part of the game. Um you get also you, like how they put the Olympic torch on the track. That's the way you did that it. That makes that's, it more it, fun for the runners. Well, they have to de- jump over it. That makes it more fun. <laughs> so <laughs> this game ha- is pretty much standard fare for this sort of game. And I'll get into why. Okay. First, you pick your uh, your language out of about eight different languages, which is nice. Then you pick your uh, you get to pick what kind of Olympic experience you want to have. Do you want to have a, uh, a, a a mini Olympics where you just pick specific events to do them? Do you want to have the full Olympics where you play all the events, or you could also practice the events? But once you decide what you're going to do, then you enter your name and it, and then you begin the game. Uh, the uh, and I'm just going to talk about a little bit about each one. You should. You also get to uh, pick your level of difficulty, ranging from clubs like national until all the way up to Olympic level. So you do have that, and, and they do make a big difference. Oh, absolutely. I will say that. Yeah. So we're going to go through these events real quick. Uh, this, they didn't reinvent the wheel here, that's for sure. So uh, the first event, the hundred meters uh, sprint. It's exactly what you would think it would be. You pick your your game pad up. And you hit both the buttons, track and field style, to win the sprint. That's it. Now, one of the things that's introduced is when you play the full Olympics is uh, unlike, uh, say, like a track and field, you go through different uh, rounds to determine, basically two rounds to determine who's going to be in the finals. So you actually end up playing the events, some of the events, several times. Some of them you play a lot of times, like something like a pole vault. Um, So you'll go through heat one. Then there'll be a heat two that you can watch or skip, and then uh, then there's a heat three that's like a finals. So and that's kind of neat. I thought that was kind of a different slant, different way to do it. But the the uh, 110 or the hundred uh, the hundred meter sprint is just hitting the buttons as fast as you can. That's all there is to it. It's exactly what you would expect. The graphics look nice. Uh, they're you know they're I, it, it was what I would call a. Uh, uh, Yeoman's work when they put this together. They didn't. They didn't go out and uh, go crazy. The graphics look good. Okay. Uh, the next. Oh, they, event, they look. They look decent for the system. Yeah. They do, but I'm saying that they didn't. There. There's nothing here that's original in any way. It was maybe a small exception. This is just as this game reminded me of, of like if someone said, "Hey, make me a generic Olympic game," and someone was like, "Okay," and that's what they did because this yep. game is very generic. Uh, the second event. Uh, I believe it uh, is the hammer throw. The hammer throw is a, a, always weird on these Olympic events, and this one's this one's actually not that bad. I didn't do great at it, but I did understand it. So your guy starts in, in the hammer cage. He'll take us. He starts swinging the ball over his head, and then you start tapping the buttons, and you hit the joystick forward to start getting him in motion. And then when you're ready to, to throw the hammer, you actually hit the thing again at the right time, and he'll throw the hammer. It's a pretty decent system, I think, on this one, Brent. What, did you like this one, the hammer? I, I did. In fact, I thought this was probably their best event. Yeah, um, it was pretty good. It, it allowed you to 
if, first of all, I don't think you could throw the hammer backwards, right? I never, I never did. Not like it, yeah. not like in hypersports or track uh, field. The hammer throw in video games is almost always a timing based game, and this is no exception. Uh, but it doesn't penalize you for doing it wrong. You still throw your hammer into the field. You just throw it with a lot less power. Yeah, and uh, it's a it's a unique system. I enjoyed it. I would yeah. say this that was probably my second favorite uh, of the events. Yeah, I, I agree. It was pretty good, and they did a good job rendering it. And there's a, something that's sort of like a like multiplayer scrolling involved. It's so it's not bad. So the next event, uh, and probably in fact, I wouldn't say probably this is by far my favorite event. It's archery. Uh, yeah. We've seen archery done in hypersports as well. Occasionally, you see this pop up. I think this is probably where they did the mo their most creative work. Again, this is done in heats if you're playing on the full Olympics. And what you do in this is first, it shows your archer. It shows several archers. Uh, first thing you do is just a button to pick up an arrow. Then you pull back the joystick to actually have him p draw the string. And once you've drawn the string back as far as you want to go, you hit the button and you then get a view. His like a, a first person perspective of the of looking down the uh, the uh, bow at the target. And there's a wind gauge at the top of the screen that tells you what the wind looks like. And you'll you'll be shaking just like a normal person would when they draw a bow back. And what you're trying to do is line up that uh, target reticle on the on the bow and arrow with the with the target that you're shooting at. And then you and once you do that, you hit the button, and let it go. What makes this a little more interesting is there's a pretty tight time limit. Uh, you you're it's a timed event. So you can't just sit there and wait, 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 and really uh, aim. You've got to sort of go quick. And so that I really thought this was a real nice event. I thought it looked good, with the exception of the fact that all the archers are identical. Like, I would have done something about that. But otherwise, but that's, I thought, that's, that is throughout the entire game. Yeah. But I thought this there was one, one I thought this animation. Was, yeah. it, it, there's one guy that's animated, and he he's your guy, the computer players. It's all one one set of animations. What do you think Not of archery on this thing? Do you like it? Uh, archery was great. Yeah. yeah. This uh, is real good. I think they're even best in hypersports, and I like hypersports. Uh, see, I was about to say, I actually like hypersports archery better, yeah. uh, just because it's it's get you in, get you out kind of a deal. Yeah. Um, but this is truer to an archery event. Yeah. Where, you know, you're just shooting the arrows down down uh, to the target, and there is a time limit, so you can't just yeah. wait for the perfect wind. Yeah. Uh, which makes it a little bit strategic. Because sometimes the wind's really bad, you want to hold off a little bit. But if you do it too much, you run out of time and it's over. So yeah, yeah, good event though, a lot of fun. Now the next event, 110 meter hurdles, it's exactly what you would expect. It's just the sprint with the added bonus that you have to time pushing up on your joystick uh, to jump the hurdles. This starts off a little wonky, but I mean, I will say I got pretty good at it to the point where I could get over the hurdles and turn it a pretty good time. And I would routinely win this event on a uh, uh, on, when I was playing on the club setting. If you go above club, these events get a lot harder. But on club, I, I was routinely winning this. I was always winning the sprint. And occasionally, I would usually at least medal in the archery. Uh, the, I, but this was just, I mean, this is pretty plain Jane, wouldn't you say, this particular event? Oh, well, I mean, it's hurdles. What are you yeah, do? no big deal. So uh, then you've got uh, the pole vault. Pole vault is traditionally can be a difficult event to simulate. Uh, summer games, for example, it's, I always thought it was really difficult. But on this, actually, pole vaulting is not that hard. Uh, you hit again. You hit the buttons as fast as you can, 
And then if when you when the time is right, you pull down the joystick and the pole will come down. I never had any wacky instance where I impaled myself or broke the pole, any of that stuff. It was just plain Jane, hit the pole, and then you, at that point you're up in the air and you've got to sort of hit the hit up on the joystick to kind of control your body to go over the to go over the pole. At least that's the way I did it. I was able to get past the second level of pole vault, which I believe is five point two, and that's pretty much. I never could get past that. Did, how, I never did cleared it. You never you cleared the first one. Never cleared it. Yep. Huh. This game, this event, when you play in the full Olympics, could go on forever because you don't lose until you until you fail on three different uh, on uh, on the same level three different times. So this one can go on for a while, and you're in there pole with a lot of people. But still, I mean, I like the fact that they put in heats and stuff. Kind of neat. Uh, not too bad. Um, after that, then we're going into the, into wacky land here with this next one, Print. <laughs> this right here, I will say, they didn't phone this one in. They did absolutely not phone this one in. This is the springboard diving event. Have you ever seen a more a more uh, 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 advanced springboard diving event than this one, Brent? Well, th- they took the Wii approach where you, you set up your dive ahead of time and then you uh, are supposed to do the motions as you spring off and go into the water. I was really bad at this. Yeah, this was so. this was hilarious, but difficult. I mean, I had all kinds of trouble on this event, uh, and but it's neat that you you get to pick your dive. I mean, there are set dives. You got to do four dives uh, that are standard, and then the last dive. You get to pretty much do whatever you want. You get to, that's the that's the wacky dive that you get to set up on your own. And uh, this this was not the easiest event to to get past, frankly. But it was fun. I enjoyed the fact that they really get, they made it a lot different than the than other diving events I've been to. Uh, finally, you've got your two hundred meter freestyle swimming, uh, Brent. And this was again as generic as you it could be. You get yeah, in the didn't water. Even have a breathe button. Yeah, no. You hit the buttons as fast as you can, and then you uh, kick turn off the off the uh, wall with the uh, game pad. This one, it's funny. I would jump out to an insurmountable lead on the computer. I mean, I would be gone. But on that second go around, that computer would always catch up with me, and I usually would get the silver in this one. Well, on, it's, it's on a stamina event. Yeah, and that, you, I ran out of gas. Yeah, uh, but, I mean uh, the whole the the whole thing of it is to pace. Uh, yeah, which it, something we should mention because I don't know if you experienced this, Aaron, but yeah. something we should mention: the way this game works is if you go into training mode, it actually shows you uh, bars at the top of the screen that show you how much power you're using, how much stamina you're using, yes. that sort of thing, and it actually does allow you to kind of get an idea of you know, angles and stuff like that, that when you play the game in normally, all that information is gone. It's not on screen. Yeah. And actually, I'm glad you mentioned that because that was, that was, I went through training before I actually tried the, on all the events before I actually tried, you know, playing an Olympics. I thought that was pretty clever. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, it was really good. It was really nice because things like the hammer throw, uh, you have to know when to actually release your hammer if you just go into the event and try it, you're not going to know the correct timing because yeah. it's odd. The game wants you to throw the hammer earlier than you would expect to do it. Yeah, yeah. If you go through training, you see the bars, and then you just kind of remember. You get that muscle memory 
so I thought that was pretty good. I thought yeah. that was a nice touch. Uh, this game, of course, once you finish your Olympiad, there's the closing ceremonies, which means they they put out the torch, a la Superman 3. And he just comes out and blows it out. If you'll call it one of the all-time great <laughs> Superman film moments. And that guy with the torch just turns down and just sulks and walks off. That was great. Anyway, uh, they put the torch on and they shoot the fireworks off. And they pretty much go on until you hit the button. One thing I wanted to mention that I thought was interesting is that one of the choices on the main menu is records. All right, I don't know if you looked at this. I did. And what's neat about this is these were all the Olympic records at that time for, time, for yeah. real people. Like Carl Lewis is in there and all these people like they've got the they've got the legitimate Olympic records in all these events listed in there, which that's that's a nice touch. I don't think I'd seen that done uh, anywhere anywhere before. So I thought that was pretty cool. So anyway, I should mention that uh, as you go through this, if you're playing uh, uh, the full Olympics, you, you're you will get points uh, awarded to you based on the medal you win, your place, and uh, that then they accumulate all the points, and then whoever has the most points, that's your winner. So if you won like three golds, two silvers, and a bronze, and your buddy won uh, a silver, two golds, it adds all that up, and that's how they come out with the winner. Again, this was a a basic. By you know, by the book game. Now, let me tell you what I did like about it, what I didn't. Uh, I wish they'd had more events. Uh, I think they could have had more events without any trouble. And I would have added uh, uh, several uh, events, including like uh, the you know, like long jump, and and uh, uh, I would add, I would have added like you know, I love like uh, stuff like the uh, uh, the vault stuff, gymnastic events. There were none of those listed in here. Stuff like that. We didn't get any of that stuff that would have been cool. So more events is always welcome. Uh, the music in this, I thought, was bearable at best. I didn't think... It was, and I think the Masters could do a little bit better musically. I was kind of disappointed with the music. I didn't think the music was all that great. Uh, I wish they had taken a few more chances with some of these events. I mean, but the fun, the funny thing about it is the non-chance taking they did makes this game very approachable. So if you're one of these people that's like me that wants to go and play some summer games occasionally, one of the downfalls of summer games is when you're playing like a CC sports, but it takes forever to load. And you're sitting there, and there's a lot of downtime. One thing that this game does is pretty much eliminates all that downtime. So this yeah. would be a good game if you want to just play it with your buddies, and you're like, man, I want to play something right now. Then you then you would get this, get this thing going. So that would be kind of fun. Uh, but so uh, otherwise, I would call this passable. Uh, the brand, anything to add before I look at the Well, I, I think it's better than passable. Okay. I think this is a decent take on the Olympics. My, well, let's talk praise first. Uh, the events it has, they have unique controls for most of them. Uh, swimming needed a breathe button. The stamina aspect yes. is neat. Uh, it, so that does add something over just a sprint. Uh, so, I'll give it a, I'll give it a a C for that. Yeah. But having a breathe button, having something that's more active as opposed to just pacing yourself would have made it more fun. The diving is very involved. I was yep. I never spent enough time with it to get good at it, but I appreciate that they did something unique. Hammer it would be throw. neat to have a floor routine that was sort of no, based well, no, on No, I'm not thing. talking about extra events. I'm, right, I'm, I'm talking saying about you, what we got. I'm talking about the diving. If you could have had like a floor routine based sort of based on the way they did diving where you could have picked out some different exercises. That would have been kind of fun. Yeah, but no, I'm not talking ad events. I'm talking events that are in the game. 
So uh, I think the diving was unique enough to to be interesting. Everything was unique enough to be interesting. This is worth playing. However, some things to understand going in. All the Olympians look the same, and that really ticked me off. They couldn't even bother doing a palette swap. I think that is inexcusable uh, because it it completely devoids your character of any uniqueness, and I think that's a shame. I think, in my opinion, that's this game's biggest flaw is everything looks so samey. Now, yeah. Yeah. no, that that matters, man. Well, that, I mean, to, to me, me that, that matters. It wasn't that big a deal because it's the same way. No, the, no, no, the that matters. Like that, track and field's pretty much like that. No, no, it's not. You're completely wrong. It's not like those guys are totally different, though. Is my point. They, it, you know, it, it didn't okay. bother me. Aaron, Carry on. You're wrong. Okay, and that's okay to be wrong, but you have to understand why. I'm not when wrong. you run the track event and you have three athletes lined up. And they are all the exact same. Exact same. That is uncalled for for a game that already put this much into it. A palette swap would have been easy. I'm not even saying change the model, right? Or change the sprite. But palette swaps are the basic building blocks of video games. They should have done it and they didn't. And it was a drawback because of it. Uh, the sound was, was middle of the road. But I think I still think this is worth giving a look at. Yeah, I thought it was pretty good myself. Uh, the reviewers on this, I did find some reviews on this. Uh, Game Zone gave this an 84, and they have the comment here, miles more playable than the Mega Drive version and some rather impressive touches for the Master System. Uh, mean Machines gave this an 81, and they also mentioned that this is better than the, uh, the uh, Genesis slash Mega Drive version. They do mention there's no simultaneous two-player action, which that's true. Uh, Sega Pro gave this an 80. Uh, uh, they mentioned that no event here would survive by itself. That's true, but that's the way all these games are. So I'm not going to. Yeah, what a dumb it. thing to say. And Sega Power, you're in a mood today. Sega Power gave this a 64. They're, 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 what are they doing over there? Uh, they said this is dull, boring, and repetitive. Uh, it it rises slightly above the run-of-the-mill stuff, but not much fun for a while. We did get a, a, a review from a listener on this one, uh, happily, and this was Pajaco6502. Uh, he writes in, uh, for a little authenticity, I played this with my USB NES-inspired controller. I thought the button bashing on this thing was going to be a nightmare, but I was wrong. It was pretty good. Although you need a good knee or tabletop to rest the controller on, as with any of these types of games, I had my preferred events and not-so-favorite events. I really liked archery, diving, and straight-up sprint. The hurdles is pretty good, but they appear way too late on the screen and you don't get much warning. I thought the, I thought the show me how to play and practice was great, although I didn't understand why not all the events had it. The only thing that really lets this game down is too long before trying again slash next round and too many pages of information between events. I didn't think that was that bad. I didn't I think just, it was that bad either. I just want to get on playing with the game. I could imagine playing this with friends when I was younger, all waiting for our turn. Yeah, this one's pretty good. A lot of events for everyone. Good graphics, good sound for the Master System. Eight out of ten, uh, the Brent. So that's I, I think that's probably a little higher than I would go, but uh, that's not it's not bad. Uh, you know, one thing I want to mention before I call, turn this thing off is the studio that made this, that's Tier Text Design Studio, 
they were a UK-based outfit. And they they were actually around for a long time. They did a lot of stuff. Uh, they did a lot. They did uh, all over the map. But they were responsible for for, for stuff like uh, they did Star Wars and Flashback. These are different versions, like Genesis version stuff. They did like Madden '95. They did a, another game that was a, an Olympic game. They did the Winter Olympics, Lilyhammer '94. Uh, they also did Shaq Fu. They were all over the map here. Uh, so they they weren't just some Johnny uh, some fly by night guys, and you could tell this was a workmanlike performance from a probably a very workmanlike studio. Uh, that's all I got on this one. Brittany, any final thoughts on Olympic gold? Nope. All right, fair enough. So Brent went in an entirely different direction uh, with his Olympic game. <laughs> I mean, entirely. Brent, what do you got? I picked up and played the arcade classic Herbie at the Olympics. Yeah, what? Herbie at the Olympics. I think uh-huh. we all played this as a child, right? Uh-huh. Okay. Before we start talking about Herbie, we've got to talk about the the company that brought him to us. And to do that, we have to go back even farther to January of 1981 and talk about Century Electronics. Aaron, have you ever heard of Century Electronics? I have. Okay, good for you. Uh, they are a England-based market racket company, if you will. That's a burial. And, and they invented the CVS, the convertible video system. This is a time in the arcades where people were not wanting to have to buy a new cabinet or a new board every time a new game came out. Uh, it, this is not unique for the for the time period, but this was their take on it. Uh, another idea would be the uh, deco tape system. So it was kind of like that. But theirs was pretty good. Uh, you had your main board, and then you had cartridges that plugged into that main board uh, through a ribbon cable that you could just swap carts out do a few art changes on your cabinet, and have a new game. And their thing was, we're going to make this affordable. That was something that they were trying to key into because it was an untapped market for the arcade at this time. So they dropped uh, $1.5 million into their development of this new system, and they got Philips of the Netherlands to exclusively uh, produce it. So they're going around, and in England, this is doing pretty well. They have a few games. Uh, It doesn't take off immediately, but they're like, you know, let's go to the U.S., let's bring it over there, see what we can do. So about 92, or 82, sorry, 92 would be a horrible idea to try to get this to work. In 1982, they brought it to America, and they teamed up with a company called Tooney Electro Services out of... uh, Temple, Arizona. And they said, listen, you're going to make our stuff and we're going to sell this. And I've never heard this before. We're going to sell these in regions. So a game would be exclusive to a region. And that's how they marketed it to the uh, owner operators. A very unique take, uh, but one that actually started out doing pretty well. And they had a few games right out of the bat, uh, Space Fortress and Retro Zone, or Outline, depending on where you were at. 
And they had these boards, and they made about 10,000 of them. Put them out in locations. They were selling them. And then the wheels fell off. And the two companies started fighting. One was saying, you're not giving us games fast enough, as in new games to produce. And on the other side, they were saying, you aren't producing these in the numbers we told you to produce them in. Big fallout. Everything goes to crap. Uh, uh, Both companies basically fold up. But there are still 10 or 12 games on this uh, system, this cart-based arcade system. But CVS doesn't just go away. They say, you know what? We're going to start taking these old boards, and instead of trying to put our system on them, we're going to try to just do chip swaps and basically take an existing board and put new hardware, physically take remove chips and put them into the board. And they did that for a while, for a couple games, until eventually everything fell apart. The big problem uh, with CVS and, and the actual company was their games weren't very good. And at the end of the day, that's a <laughs> that killer. is a problem. That is that's tough to overcome. That one. <laughs> now, their most famous game, Aaron, is a game called Hunchback, and it actually made number one in the replay charts over in Europe. Replay is basically a uh, shows what game is popular in the arcades. It's very skewed. It, it's almost certainly a buy-to-be-at-the-top type of affair. Uh, but there you go. So over in Europe, they reached number one with a game called Hunchback. And number two in a, North America with Hunchback. Why does all this matter to Herbie at the Olympics? Well, they were making a game, and they said, Listen, Hunchback, which is exactly what you think it is. It's Quasimodo going saving a princess. It's a flip screen platformer. They said, man, that game did really well for us. We need to take that character and put him into some new licenses. And what better thing to do with a hunchback than drop him in the Olympic games. And so (laughs) we have Herbie at the Olympics, or you could also find this under its other names, which is, uh, Hunchback at the Olympics, or just Hero. Uh, Hero being the absolute rarest of the bunch. So, you have an Olympic Games with a Hunchback as your main character, and it. And what board do they choose to integrate these ROMs into? That, of course, is the arcade dud, something everyone's trying to get rid of, Donkey Kong and Donkey Kong Jr. (laughs) Now, you could get this in the CVS cart as well, but the DK conversion was their big thing. That was what everyone was trying to sell off. So what is Herbie at the Olympics? Well, it is a Olympic-based game. You have your sprint, you have hurdles, long jump, shot put, and high jump. All with this fat squished hunchback character doing these events in this, the most incredibly long stadium of all time uh, (laughs) with 
advertising for CVS plastered everywhere just to add to the uh, authentic Olympic feel. And this game is tremendous, and I don't mean in the good way. <laughs> so for those who have played Donkey Kong, uh, you know that the button and the stick is very unique. Uh, it's all leaf switches instead of micro switches. And it has a very, um, how would you describe the joystick, Aaron, for Donkey Kong? Is it borderline limp? Um, it's it's yeah, it's, it's loose. That's it. But let's go same there. with the button. Yeah, it, it's not that the button and joysticks are bad, but they have a very unique feel. So they decided that in this game, you only really need two buttons. You need the jump button, which instead of being jump, is now run, and you need up on the joystick, which makes your guy jump. Yeah. It's so, a lot like it's a lot like limping gold in a lot of ways. It, it is <laughs> very similar. And you take your derpy little herpy and run him through the Olympic Games, and this game is incredibly difficult. Holy cow, is this game hard! Uh, it doesn't let you continue, so you have to get past the events. You get three lives to do it. And every time you fail, the qualifying standards go a little bit lower, which is a good touch. Um, but it usually means you do an event, you fail, the, the standards get lower, you then qualify, go to the next event, fail, and repeat until you're out of lives. So seeing things like uh, the high jump, virtually impossible did you ever make it to the high jump aaron <laughs> no gosh no God. i had a heck of a time getting past the second event yeah yeah <laughs> it's, it's a beast it's yeah. a beast um to say that the controls on herbie are oh well, i mean they're not bad because what are they they're a button press to run and then up to jump but being that it's on a DK button, even playing at home through emulation, you have to really go at this thing to get up enough speed to do anything. I can't imagine but, playing this on the DK controls. I mean, it seems like you would rip the control panel off. Oh, I, I have actually played this in an arcade. They had this at Sears, didn't they? At the they Wizards had Den? this at the Wizards Den yeah. in Sears. I and remember. I'm going to go more in-depth on that. Uh, the next uh, places I played, for those who enjoyed that show is going to go more in depth on uh, the cabinet of Herbie at the Olympics. But I have played this on an actual cabinet and it is horrible. It's absolute garbage. The graphics on this game are, I mean, they're colorful. I'll give them that. Uh, but everything feels floaty. Everything feels kind of like you're running in honey. Uh, the <laughs> odd choice of words. <laughs> the uh, the sound is very very primitive. Um, to like say you're doing the long jump, right? So you run up to the event, or you run up to the line, hit your button, and then you press and hold up, and it will say like five degrees, fifteen degrees, twenty five degrees, thirty five degrees, forty five degrees, and when you let go of the joystick, that is your angle of jump. Uh, 
a horrible system. I mean, yeah, it's sure, slow. That's, it, it's, it's weird. Yeah, it's what all the other systems do. I mean, everyone does that sort of thing. But to see it actually just count up in tens, and it goes about that pace. Also, to do it with the joystick is also bizarre. Yeah. <laughs> so I've never, I've never done that before. That's a new one. So, Aaron, do you have any opinions at Herbie at the Olympic Games? Well, when I found out that this was basically hunchback at the Olympics, because I know I remembered you playing that. I, I never played it, but I remember you liked it. So I was not, I, I, I was not totally surprised that you picked this one. This game is, uh, I mean. Listen, it's running on the DK hardware, and it look—it's really nothing like DK. You got to give it that. Yeah, they and did it, do a good swap. The fact that they audaciously are, are butchering Donkey Kong cabinets to put this game in—I mean, did they did they release a set? Is there an over control panel overlay for this, or did they just use the Donkey Kong control panel? No, no, there is. A, they they did have unique uh, headers. And overlay and side art. For I this. yeah, I saw everything with the control panel. The fact that someone would turn a Donkey Kong into this it literally makes me want to wretch and horror. It just it's a horrible idea. However, uh, I will give these guys credit for coming up with something. I mean, listen, this is sort of a playable wacky Olympic track and field clone, but I mean, it's much wackier. I mean, we're watching the long jump right now. This hunchback floats. <laughs> I mean. And, and, uh, and if you watch his approach on the uh, on the uh, shot put, I mean, you talk about crazy legs. He goes bonkers. The hunchback, he's comedic. Also, who thought of an idea? Whose genius idea was it for a hunchback Olympics? I mean, if you're going to use the character and something, why the Olympics? <laughs> what, what does that mean, even? I mean, are there multiple hunchbacks in this Olympics? Is this the no. only one? Apparently, I mean, he's just out there doing his thing. I mean, the crowd showed up, so, he, you know, they're rooting for him. But no one else is in the Olympic Games. It's just him. <laughs> to, to me, this took place in Russia. Because if you look at the background, you see those domes. You know what I'm saying? It looked like they have it red square. <laughs> That's what I thought. I was like, so this is like what they're doing in Russia. Maybe this is one of the years they didn't go to the Olympics. They're like, listen, we'll give you the Hunchback Olympics. And they did that. You know, <laughs> That's the thing. But no, it's, it's a dumb, it's an anomalous wacky game that it, i mean listen it's not the worst game it's that's the sad thing i mean it's it's playable you oh. really have to crank those buttons though i mean it's brutal to i mean or the, or the stick to get that thing going i don't like i switch the controls around by the way i guess that's why i should mention that i reprogrammed the controls after a while to check just so i could have a better chance of getting to the next events i had to do it just to get past the second event but by the way, sprinting on this is no easy feat either. No, <laughs> this no. is the exact opposite it, of Olympic gold in terms of the uh, of the of the controls. I mean, it's brutal. The approachability, yeah. I can't imagine a Donkey Kong cabinet lasting more than a few weeks under uh, if under extreme play. The only thing that might save it is the fact that no one would play it. That's the only thing I can think <laughs> of. But yeah, now, Aaron. I, I was stunned at this one. When this was released, what do you think the sale price for this game was? This is just the board and the accoutrement, right? The marquee no, and no, whatnot. No, 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 no boards, just chip. Oh, just the chip. Okay, I'm sorry, just the chip and the. Well, uh, no, I'm sorry. It's it's actually the the all the chips required because it's a multi thing. Right. Uh, gives you the header, the side decals, the front panel, uh, the chip, and the module. Oh. And this bucks. would have been in uh, 
Uh, 82. Okay, I'm, well, I'm going to say 900 bucks. $375. Oh, well, see, that's a bargain, though, isn't it? And you, know? uh, you could also adapt a scramble. A Donkey Kong, Donkey Kong Jr., and a scramble machine. Scramble is the ultimate uh, ga- PCB for people to monkey with. It got it, turns it into everything. It seems to be, yeah. Yeah. So, they... That was their that was their thing. They wanted to be a budget arcade company. And to be honest, they released about 15 games, right? So and some of them were actual hits. Uh Video 8 Ball did really well. Um Hunchback actually did really well for the company. I uh, made actual money. Uh a game that I'm sure you've at least heard of if you haven't played Wall Street, where the guys are jumping out of the building out of the and way. you have yes. to bounce them over to the ob- to the ambulance. That was yes. them. Yes, um, I remember that one. And now they had a lot of duds too. So don't don't think me reading off these their highlights means that everything was gold. They had a lot of duds too. But they were a fairly successful company that came to the United States and really they kind of got screwed. Uh, they got caught up in litigation several times trying to get people to make more of their systems, even though the demand for more systems wasn't really there. So it's kind of strange. Everyone was saying that their side of the contract was broken. Uh, of course, that's what you always get with legal cases. Uh, and it, it eventually just drained all their coffers. And they did. They never uh, did better than Hunchback in terms did, of sales. Did the now original, Hunchback? Hunchback got poured into a bunch of eight bit systems. Did Hunchback's Olympics ever get ported? Were there yes, it did. The, you're kidding me. This, <laughs> no, this actually got a C sixty four port, and Nothing. it has extra scenes in the C sixty four port. Anytime you would win gold or qualify, the hunchback and the princess meet in the middle of the screen and kiss. Man. As you <laughs> so uh it's also it looks almost identical to the arcade for better or for worse. Uh and it's a fairly playable game, more so than probably the uh arcade version. But yeah. C64 got a port of this. Wacky, wacky, wacky. Hey, uh, uh, we did get a uh, a Discord on this, if you'd like to hear it. Absolutely. Uh, this is from uh, Pajaco. Uh, he writes, Man, this game is unforgiving. Uh, the sprint just about cuts the mustard as a game that is, uh-huh, inspired by track and field. However, everything else that requires the use of a second button, forget it. It says the best angle is 45 degrees. Wrong! 45 degrees is the only angle. With an angle-o-meter <laughs> that only goes up in five-degree increments, it was easy to over or undershoot the mark, and you are hosed. That's true. Add to that poor collision detection on the scratch line, and this is a recipe for a poor game. That's also true. I remember playing and enjoying Hunchback Olympics that this is a conversion of. So I went ahead and played Hunchback Olympic, and even though it was not as good as I remember, it was still easier to play than Herbie at the Olympics. I also played track and field as a comparison to Breeze to the game. It is much more responsive and forgiving. 
The graphics and animations for Herbie, even for a 1984 game, were poor. Sound is okay, but nothing to write home about. On the whole, if Herbie at the Olympics was the only arcade machine at a bus stop, and I had time to kill in some coins, I'd play it. But I would seek this one out in an arcade? No. So there you go. Four out of ten, it says. This game gave me a hump. Sorry, I couldn't resist. <laughs> I, I would, for anyone out there that is curious at what a hump, hunchback at an Olympic would look like, look this game up. You can actually that, play this online. There's ways to that, do it. That's your tagline? If you're interested to see what a hunchback would look like at the Olympics, look this game up. That's absolutely <laughs> it. Because it has no other redeeming qualities except for that let's go look at a train wreck type of feel. Uh, I can't recommend it in any other capacity. Although, I will have to say, if I saw this in an arcade today, I would absolutely put money in it just to relive my childhood experiences of playing Herbie at the Olympics. Well, Also, can you explain to me why the side art looks nothing like the in-game character? Listen, if you're if you're gonna make a game called Hunchback at the Olympics, you call up Marty Feldman, okay? <laughs> Igor. You know, he, he was still around when this game was out. And that's the guy you put in the game. Put him on the side, <laughs> put him on the marquee, and hold nine yards. The world's most famous hunchback. Listen, I've got a hunch. It's time to get back to the wheel, Brent. That's what I think. Let's let's get it going. That's right. Now, we've made some alterations this week as per the usual. Uh, we've got uh, uh, a new piece on here, and it's called, and this is a weird one here, uh, the Brent, Games That Become Other Games. We'll have to ask Herms. Oh, for yeah. A, yeah. For the definition I of that one. That. Yeah. The, re- the Retro Rewind piece, Brent, the Exidy. It's Exidy time. Are you ready? Yes. Here we, do you have a thought on this week? There's a lot of good stuff on here. Nope. The wheel nope, is no full, of, full of minds. Here we go. Oh, here it is. It's a good spin, and the winner is Bam! Games that need I think, games that need to die. This is a piece suggested by Mitsuyama. So I think we just played one. Games I was gonna that say I'll be doing Herbie at the Olympics. Games, <laughs> games, games that need to die, Brent. So. What are we gonna do here? It's just this is just an opinion here on these games that need to die. Well, I think I think the way this is uh, structured, and Mitz, I believe you're in chat. If you are, you can confirm or deny this. These are games that have long since passed their prime. You know, maybe they were good in the beginning, but now their sequels and whatnot are are just weighting down the whole series, the whole video game genre, and they just need okay. to go away. I think that's one interpretation of what could be many different interpretations. So I like that, man. Uh, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to, this is going to be an interesting review week, that's for sure. Because what, just with the tagline, I'd suspect the games we're going to pick are not going to be popular or good. So <laughs> that's the way it goes. So Britt, uh, you had an interesting evening as they put together a new video here, which we're going to debut. Uh, is there any, any news, anything you want to mention before we take this thing to the house and have a look at this new uh, supporter video? Uh, no, I think I have uh, talked enough for today. Boy, I think I... <laughs> I agree. So, on that note, we'll be back next week with, bam, games that need to die. Until then, stay alive. Oh, 
Thanks for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed the show. We want to say a special thank you to Duncan Styles for our vector style graphic and Bartbit for our amazing music. Would you like to help keep ARG spinning for as little as a dollar a month? You can do so at patreon.com slash ARG presents just like these fine folks. Z9K9, Jerry Dennington, John Teichman, Retroalgy, James Shackle, Texas Foosballer, Sundown, Orom, Super Tech Boy, Dave Terrence, Mr. B, Roushy, Graham, W, Betkey, Dave Velociraptor, Bernhard Lucas, Steve Rathmussen, Anthony Jarvis, Pajaco6502, Kevin Bean, Andy Jones, Andy Craig, Rob Flack, O'Hara, Jason Warrens, Mitsuyama, Chris Foles, Frodo NL, The Slow Norris, John Schaller, Terry Heather, oh, Terry Howard, Olaf Hope, and Rolo. Supporters get access to the Discord channel and their names caught out in the credits. Don't want to explain another credit card bill? That's okay too. You can leave us a positive review on Spotify or Apple iTunes. Have an idea for a wheel piece? Send it to us at argpresents at mail.com. We film live every Sunday, 10 a.m. EDT. We hope to see you there.